0: You're listening to the Centre Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message recorded live from our Burgess Hill campus.
1: Two weeks ago we, we started this, this short series on just walking across the room, making the first step, and uh, that actually we, we have this temptation as as believers to to. To stay in a zone that's very comfortable to us, right? To, to stay in that place where we know everyone, where everyone's our friend. And actually, uh, the people that are in our peripheral get ignored because actually it's a bit uncomfortable to go across from my bubble where they are. And so we were encouraged last time to, to be willing to enter the zone of the unknown, right? To make this step into past the circle of warm relationships. To the place of where the Holy Spirit moves. You know what's interesting is actually when you look at Scripture, and I challenge you to look at this, in the New Testament, more miracles happen with the unsaved than with the saved. The miracles happen out in the unknown. More so than in that little comfort circle. And if you want to see God move in His power, you need to start walking. You need to start moving across some rooms because it's in that domain that the Holy Spirit is at work and he calls us, he draws us to come out of your comfort space and to come to where the, the needs are, to listen to the Spirit's prompting and to just walk these kind of three very simple steps, right? To, to kind of get our eyes off ourselves and our friendships and say, okay, God, what are you wanting to do? And to begin taking steps towards the people around us. And so today we're gonna carry on this this thought process. So you've started to make the move, boom you're taking steps. Yeah, be careful. Ah. We're taking steps across the room. Now, we're kind of leading from one week to the next in the next step. Okay, so we're starting to take steps. But what happens once you start the conversation? Where do you go with it? Because we never actually covered that bit last time. So you might have been walking across rooms and started talking to people and then had no idea what to do with that. So today, we're going to unpackage what happens next. And what happens next? We're, we're going to look at living in 3D, looking at 3Ds. And so the very first one is developing relationships or friendships. Walking across the room, people are constantly looking for relationships to be developed. We're, we're walking across the room to develop relationships. Uh, we wait, uh, we walk to, to to build these, something that's, uh, we don't know when we put out that hand to say hello. We don't know what's going to lead on the other end of that. But really, our intention is to build a relationship, to build a friendship. More often than not, something happens in our Christian walk, and and it's a strange thing. And I I I could put my hand up. It happens to me, or it's happened to me as I grow in my walk with God. And we're going to look at a bit of an algebra example. And uh, the first one is is Jake. And if you can. Keep pulling up the side. So we're going to develop friendships. And uh, so we have this direct kind of algebra understanding. And it is this. Jake grows in height. Um, and he also then grows in weight. Right? So if someone... Uh, little Hosea just got born and he's growing in height. He's getting taller, but he's also getting heavier, right? That is proportional growth. It's the way it should be. If you're growing up, you should be going heavier. That's kind of a direct connection. But if someone is growing up, but is getting smaller in weight, the weight is dropping. Is there a concern? Yes, because it's, it's indirect. There's, it's not positive. So the opposite is happening. So if you want to go to the next slide and just, yeah, there we go. Boom. The air is going down and not up. That's a concern. The same thing can actually happen in our relationship with God. So when we come to first know the Lord, this is an amazing thing. Most people that have this dramatic salvation or the sense of really giving their lives to Jesus, the very first thing that they do. So if we look at Jane now, Jane comes to know the Lord and then she has a love for the people around us. So she walked with Christ is growing. And then the next one, her love for people is also there. She wants her friends to know Jesus. She wants her family to know Jesus. She wants all the people in her sphere to know Jesus. How many know what I'm talking about? Maybe it happened to you. You got saved. and You're like, man, I want the world to know this. Woo! Where has this Jesus been all my life? And you are on a mission to find everyone who doesn't know Jesus to help them know Jesus. But something happens as we walk with Jesus a little bit longer. And if we're not careful, that happens to all of us. So Jane starts to go further in her walk with God. She's growing in her walk with God. But actually, something strange happens. Her love for... And she... Sorry, she has a... We have another arrow. Sorry, we have her, her love for the, the inner circle, the church, the home groups. All those things are going on in her life. Woo! I love it! But actually, her love for the lost starts to diminish. Okay? There's something that happens. And actually, you know what? This becomes the most important thing. Actually, being with other Christians is the most... I want to be in conferences. I want to be in... with Just surround myself with people who are just like me. The problem is, is that we're not called to just surround ourselves in a kind of cocoon way with just other believers. Yes, we're called to meet together, to not forsake the assemblies of, of the saints, but actually, we're called to reach out. We're called to, to go beyond that. We can have a, maybe even a secret list of the people that we want to associate with, or we want to connect with, people that are inside our, com- our comfort circle. We can, uh, we can want the, the people that only we enjoy being with, not the people that irritate us or hurt us or, or that, um, you know, bother us in some way. People can have this outside my comfort zone kind of people. But when God calls us to love people outside our circle, to build relationships with him, we need to have his perspective that he has instead of the perspective that we naturally tend to go with. Because again, the longer we know Christ, often the temptation is for us to become more and more and more embedded just within the Christian world. And there's, if we were honest with us, do we have any friends that aren't believers Do we have any relationships that, with people that are far from from God? Is is there anything in my sphere that would say that? Our criteria list can be something like this. Okay, I, okay, God, I, I will, I will reach out, but there's a better beast. They better be nice. They better not hurt me. They better be safe. They better be stable. They, they, they better be, deserving of my time because my time is pretty important it can also be something like they better be white they better be black they better be pro-life they better be young they better be old they better be single for some of you maybe i don't know um they better be rich remember though jesus didn't have the better beast did he he didn't have this list of uh, people that were kind of in his sphere. The Pharisees had that list, but actually Jesus did not. And uh, if you remember uh, in Luke three, we, we have three parables that are told. We, we have the parable of the, the lost sheep. We have the parable of the lost coin and we have the parable of the lost son. And uh, in before Jesus tells these parables, he's He's being challenged by the Pharisees because they have the better bees. They have the rules, and they assume that God has the same rules as, as them. That they are in heart with God's, with God's heart. And so Jesus is challenged in this. In first in verse, uh, verses one and two, he says, "Now the Pharisees, sorry, now the tax collectors and the sinners were all gathered around to hear him." Jesus is speaking, right? But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes to sinners and eats with them. Ooh, that's not very nice. Not very good. You know, they're challenged by this. He was building friendships with sinners, with tax collectors, these people that are the outcasts of societies. The Pharisees thought and believed that God's heart was for people, that God loved people whose whose lives were clean. Ever thought that? That God actually really dislikes the nice people in this world? That God's list of people that are in His good list are the people that they just have nice, tidy lives. They're good people. Good people. God likes good people. People that look nice, smell nice, talk nice, act nice, do nice things. And God dislikes people that are, are just not like that. that. That actually the ungodly, the sinners, the people that are, are destined to hell, actually God just wants them to go to hell because it's the good people He's come for. Now Jesus steps on the scene and He challenges this by His actions. And He, and he goes on to tell these three stories. And uh, I, I'm only going to read the first two because the third one is the prodigal son. But the, the first two, I'm just going to read... And I want us to kind of just set this in, because Jesus is being challenged by his actions about going after the sinners, about hanging out with the people that in the peripheral of the Pharisees were outcasts. They were not people you associated with. And yet Jesus was somehow prioritizing his time, not with the Pharisees, but with these people, these people. Can you imagine? Franco, can you imagine it? Yeah, crazy. So here we have it. Luke 15, verses, we're going to read from 3 to 10. Sorry, it's not going on the screen. You're going to have to look old-fashioned way. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Does he not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and his neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing. I want you to say more. More rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who do not need to repent. Or suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Does she not light a lamp, sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, She calls her friends and her neighbors together and says, rejoice with me. I have found my lost coin in the same way. I tell you, there will be there is more rejoicing. Sorry, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels uh, of God over one sinner who repents. Wow. In each of these stories, something was missing. Correct. In each of these stories, something's missing. And in the prodigal son, the son is missing. He's left home and there's there's a missing So that we see that there's there's something missing, but also we see that in the missing, that missing thing mattered. The missing person mattered. It wasn't that, woo. I still got ninety (sighs) nine. Only one percent got away. Pretty good average. No, actually, the one percent mattered. That one mattered. That that one was worth leaving the 99 for. I I need to find the one. There was a great pursuit. There was a great value place on the one. Jesus pointed to these people really matter. The, the lost, the, the prostitutes, the tax collectors. These people really matter. In fact, if they come to faith, there's more rejoicing in heaven than you guys who think you're already there. That's what he's trying to say ultimately. This pursuit, this... This looking, this searching after the one. This was the heart of, of Jesus. In fact, we could even say, we could take it one step further, that not only were on his matter list, but actually they were on his love list. They were actually his priority list. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. So when Jesus came on the earth, he wasn't trying to seek and to save the saved. seeking to save the found. No, he was on mission to seek and to save the lost. So he was out on a mission to find the lost sheep, the lost coin, the lost son. He was out on a mission to find the lost. That was his heart. That was his mission. So as he was entering his ministry, that's all he that's his number one pursuit was to seek and to save the lost. In fact, God does not have a hate list of people. He doesn't. God doesn't love some people more than others. In fact, He doesn't want anyone to perish. We see in 2 Peter 3, 9. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Everyone. That is the heart of God. He's for all of us. He's for the lost. Before we can walk across rooms and build relationships with strangers, our secret list can screen out dozens of people upon our, our lives that are all around us. But sometimes our, our, our filtration list narrows our vision of who we can reach. You see, if you lose something in your house, you will move your house to find that thing. How many of you have tried to find something in your house? Those piles that haven't been touched for months get moved, don't they? That sofa gets rearranged. You start looking, you start moving, you start to get in uncomfortable positions to look in places that are hard to find. Why? Because you're intentionally trying to find that which is missing. And the same thing goes with God. With Christ is the example that we see. Before we start moving across rooms, we have to remove the filtration list. To develop friendships requires a heart attitude that says, I'm open to you as a person. And we talked about this in the summertime, that one of our core values is as a church, we want to be an accepting church, right? That when people come in here and we they come in contact with us, we accept them for who they are, face value, boom, I accept you. You're not in my filtration list and somehow you've got in the, no, I don't talk to you list. You might be surprised. Whoever you are, whatever you've done, whatever you believe about life, I'm open to accepting you, knowing you, journeying with you, caring about you. God honoring friendships start here, don't they? They start at this space of saying, you know what? I come to you. I'm on to walk across the room. You might be from a different cultural background to me. You might be from a totally different world to what I know. But I'm coming across the room. I'm stretching on my hand and I'm saying I'm open to you because you are needing it. <laughs> You're valued. You're important. And I'm going to remove my prejudices and I'm going to embrace who you are. This leads to opening doors, which is, leads us to point two, which is discovering stories. We develop friendships in order to discover stories. Where is the other person coming from? We, I, I think sometimes as Christians, we get this terribly wrong especially when we start talking about evangelism or talking about sharing our faith, is we put out our hand and we try to round the gospel, step two. And sometimes it doesn't need to, probably most times it doesn't work that way. Because we need to understand where they're coming from before we start to unpackage anything that we have to share. And I shared this, I think in the very first week, uh, two weeks ago, that story of the, that gentleman who just listened to the Muslim over coffee week after week after week after week. To the point where the guy said, I want to hear about Christianity now. And that led to his beautiful salvation. Not because the Christian was starting at sharing the faith, but started at wanting to hear the story. People want to tell you their stories. I I remember years ago when we were living in Holland. And there was a guy, we were were part of a coffee bar team that uh, ministered to kind of those who are in the streets and all sorts of interesting people. And uh, I... There, there was one night, there was a guy that came into the coffee bar, not a coffee shop, coffee shop in Holland, they sell drugs. Coffee bars sell coffee. Don't want to get that wrong when you're on holiday. Anyways, this guy comes in, he, he, he's actually from Nigeria. Sorry, he's, he was Dutch. Sorry, he was Dutch, but I'll get to Nigeria in a second. Uh, and he came in and he was quite aggressive. Um, and I don't know about you, but when I come across aggressive people... Uh, I don't really want to carry on a conversation with them, um, but especially when he found out we were Christians. Why were we doing what we're doing? What do you, what's this all about? And uh, he found out that we were Christians, and he started to get quite. Aggr- he was agitated, very, very agitated. And uh, I remember shaking his hand, and he almost crushed my hand. I thought, Oh my days, this guy's going to hit me. Um, he was really aggressive. And uh, so when he was, I said, Okay, let's just let's just talk through what's going on. What's going on in your life? And uh, over a period of discussions Not just once, but he started coming back over the weeks. And he started to share his story. He was a sailor. And uh, on one of his voyages, he got into a row with a guy from Nigeria. And he threw him overboard. Killed him. And it was eating him up. And so to hear about God or to come across Christ, I mean, he was angry. But in just wanting to hear his story, as he began to unpackage it. And he began to weep. And it was the first time he really be out, was able to share his story. On the other side of that, he, he gave his life to Jesus. But I had to know his story. Where is he coming from? Why are you so angry? What is, what is this anger? He was angry with himself. He was angry with the torment. He said, every night I just see this. I see what I did. I see what I did. For people to tell you their stories, we must show faithfulness. Constantly befriending in time, patience in uncovering. Their deep needs and a genuineness in wanting to meet them. It's not pressing, it's not judging, it's not trying to fix the other person. It's building a relationship built upon trust and respect. You know what? All around you are people that have stories. And and we're out on a mission to find the lost and, and to build a relationship. And that relationship really can only be founded once we start to hear the story that they they have to tell. Because their story opens the door. When we let the Holy Spirit lead us and we stay st- focused on, on building trust, no matter how long it takes, next steps start to become clear. You see, I think sometimes we can become impatient in relationships. How many have ever felt impatient in a relationship? When you're trying to specially share faith, you think, how long is this going to take? Come on, I've met with you for two, two times for coffee. Why aren't you a Christian yet? Sometimes people need to walk a journey with us. They need to know that we're in it for the long haul. That we're we're walking across the room. We're here to to hear the story. I, I want to know your life. I'm interested in who you are. It's genuine. It's not just some kind of this phase I'm going through in my church because we're talking about it. But actually, I want to know who you are. I want to know where you're coming from. It then leads us to this third one, which is discerning the next steps. God gives us these divine forks and roads in in relationships with people, and and in these moments when God. Uh, Reveals to us in a situation what, as they start to tell their stories, as we start to walk with them on a journey, what is the next thing that will help them come to faith? Excuse me, come to faith. It isn't necessarily one size fits all. One person might need this said to them. One person might need something else done for them. Something, you know, one person might need to be invited to Alpha. Another person might need you to sit with them week after week and just hear their story and, and you love them and care for them. It, there isn't one answer to every person as to how you reach them. Jesus didn't use one option. He actually shared with different people in different ways. Ask the Holy Spirit. We have this amazing counselor in John 16 we see that leads us. God, what do you want me to say? How can I offer? What, what, what is it? What is the next step? No matter how good our intentions are, we will make a mess of it. If not, the Holy, the Holy Spirit's not involved in it. We're going to watch a very short clip um, of, of two guys, Bill and Dave, and uh, just explaining it. So, Robbie, hopefully this all works.
2: I saw something so uh, valuable inside Dave. And uh, I remember just saying to myself, this is going to be a long, slow walk. He's got to see a Christian kind of walk the walk. I I never put a time span on it. I just said, this is a guy I'd like to be friends with and let God do whatever God's gonna do. I really wanted to make sure that it was God doing the work and uh, me riding in the second position.
0: Before uh, regatta, I was preparing my little area on the sailboat and Bill would come up and just ask me how my week had gone, how Beth was, maybe what had gone on at work. I mean, the conversations, never really moved uh, towards faith or Christianity and again it was just so refreshing uh, to me that he was concerned about me as an individual and what was going on in my life.
2: I think really trying to point someone in the direction of faith is usually the summation of a lot of little inputs along the way. I don't think it's the big three-hour talk where you start with creation and And at the end of the Bible, I don't think it's a great big theological brain dump all at once.
0: I remember uh, Bill giving me a copy of Case for Christ before it was uh, ever even in print. And so in my travels around the country, um, you know, on airplanes, I would pull that out and uh, read a few pages. And I really needed that because I was so inquisitive about the science part of it.
1: All right. In our life groups, we're gonna, you're gonna see more of that story. Uh, this guy, Dave, he, he, it took him years, years and years and years to come to faith. But you see in this, in this story, he, he saw something, Bill saw something in Dave, and uh, he turned the reins over to God. It wasn't this kind of pushed thing, but actually there was a care for him. And I think a lot of people in this world are just needing to be cared for, needing to just be loved. Accept it, walk with them on a journey, putting out your hand. Say, look, I want to hear what it is going on in your life and continually walk with them. And as the Holy Spirit prompts you, you say that next thing, you give them that next resource. You you just start walking with them. You see, I think sometimes we we sow sow a seed and we want to harvest immediately, don't we? If I'm going to share my faith with you, boy, you better accept Jesus in the next five minutes. But actually, we're sowing a seed. And we looked at this last week, even in our prayer time on, on Tuesday. Actually, we, we sow the seed. Maybe someone else is watering, but actually only God can make that thing grow. And we need to be patient for the journey. But it starts with our relationship that we're building with them. The next steps. You know, in our, in our final, just as I'm closing, in Mark 3, verses 1 to 5, we have another story. Of Jesus in the in the synagogue. And it says this. uh, Another time Jesus went into the synagogue. And a man with a shriveled hand was there. Some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. So they watched him closely to see if he would heal on the Sabbath. Jesus said to the man with the shriveled hand. Stand up in front of everyone. Then Jesus asked them. Which is lawful on the Sabbath? To do good or to do evil? To save life or to kill it? They remained silent. He looked around at them in anger and deep, deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out and his hand was completely restored. Jesus couldn't believe the Pharisees that viewed the law was more important than showing love. You know, sometimes we, we want people to tick all the boxes. But Jesus demonstrated that love supersedes law in this, doesn't it? This week, we'll we, we, we will come across people with withered hearts, withered minds, withered bodies, withered dreams, withered energy, withered hope. And per, perhaps this week, God is placing you in that person's life so that they can find restoration. Each of us has a part to play in seeing God's name Proclaimed to the nations. God has sent all of us to go into all the earth. Not just me. Not just some pastor. Not just some evangelist. But we are the light of the world. We are the salt. And so each week we're, we're taking this one step further. But I want to encourage us this week to develop meaningful relationships with all sorts of people with all sorts of backgrounds. I, I want us to evaluate our circle. Are we only in a in a comfort circle with only Christians? If you look at your life and you only know Christian people and you only have Christian friends, I, I want us to think about are we seeking the lost as Jesus was? Or are we safe with the found? I think I need God to move in my heart to put that urgency in me like it was in Jesus. To seek the lost. When was the last time we heard someone's story? That we actually stopped to listen to... so? Sel- To someone, tell us their story. Has anyone told you anything about their lives in the last week, in the last month? That you stopped and just listened. You didn't interject with your story. You just listened to theirs. Are we people that are great talkers, but not good listeners? How many stories have we heard? May this be a week you try to hear someone's story about their life. What have they gone through? What's happened? And in all of that, that we would lean upon the Holy Spirit to lead us into the next steps beyond that. God, what do you want me to do in this relationship? How how can I keep pointing this person? What, What is the answer? They just told me this massive story. God, what is the answer? What can I encourage them with? It's in this space that we see the wonder of God. I know many of you want to see signs and wonders. Signs and wonders are in this space. They're in this space of the unknown. They're in that space at the coffee shop with some person who's far from the Lord. That's where the miracles happen. It's out in the marketplace. It's at work beside that person who is struggling with something in their personal lives. And they start to tell you a little bit of it. And you know maybe they need you to put your arm around them and say, look, I'm here. I'm a listening ear. I want to walk with you on this journey.